0: Hey, good morning, morning. glad that you are joining us wherever you are, I'm sure you have the best seat in the house wherever you are, so glad that you are with us. I got to tell you, I was thinking when Dave was singing, I'm in the Lord's Army, I am so old that when I was a kid, I learned that song, I may never fly over Germany, and my last name is Stutzman. And I always thought that doesn't seem right to me. I'm got a German name, and I'm so I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that song has evolved a little bit. You know, songs like that, I guess, they're timeless because the message is timeless, right? We are in the Lord's army, so yeah. Thanks, Dave, and our singers. Hey, there is a lot going on today. Well, today is the Lord's day, first and foremost, and. Christians all over the world are getting together in some form or fashion to worship God, and we're doing that this morning together as well. Today is also Mother's Day, and here in America we are celebrating and remembering our mothers in some form or fashion, probably a little bit differently than we've done it in years past, but still what a wonderful day to to celebrate and remember our mothers I love that poem that I.T. shared with us. If you, if you didn't uh, log on at the very beginning, at the 10 o'clock hour, be sure at some point go back and check out I.T.'s poem, uh, uh, A Tribute to Mothers. It just so happens I have a poem of my own this morning. It is uh, a poem that I think most moms can relate to on some level. It's not as long or nearly as deep as I.T.'s, but... But maybe you can relate to it, moms. It's called A Mother's Evening Prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my sanity to keep. For if some peace I do not find, I'm pretty sure I'll lose my mind. I pray I find a little quiet. Far from the family daily riot. May I lie back and not have to think about what they're stuffing down the sink. Or who they're with or where they're at or what they're doing to the cat. I pray for time all to myself. Did something just fall off a shelf? Some silent moments, for goodness sake. Did I just hear a window break? And that I need not cook or clean. Well, hey, you know, a girl can dream. Yes, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my wits about me keep. But as I look around, I know... I must have lost them long ago. Now it's said that the hand that rocks the cradle is attached to someone who's not getting enough sleep. So thank you to all of our mothers today. Now I was thinking about this week. I was thinking about this sermon that I am uh, sharing. Now I was thinking about Mother's Day. I of course was thinking about my own mom. This is my first Mother's Day that my mother's not here. I was thinking about my wife, the the mother to my children, Was thinking about God, and I was thinking about my own spiritual adventure, and I was thinking about all those um, women who have had a spiritual impact on me, all those spiritual mothers who have helped me, and encouraged me, and blessed me, and forgiven me, and showed patience with me, and just poured their lives into me. Before I really get started this morning, I've got a, a video that I want to share with you. Uh, take a look at it.
1: Today is Mother's Day, and we want to acknowledge all the women who are blessed to know. We rejoice over you for your strength, your wisdom, your strong love, and your beautiful faith. Whether today is a celebration for you or a day of quiet reflection and healing, we're thinking of all of you. If you gave birth this year to your first child, our joy overflows and we celebrate with you. If you adopted a child this year or became a foster parent, we rejoice with you and we want to honor you in your commitment to changing the lives of children. If you continue to struggle with infertility, we're hoping with you and holding your hand in prayer. If you are exhausted and feeling underappreciated for all you do for a house full of kids, we applaud you, we love you, and we appreciate you more than you can ever imagine. And if you lost a child this year, to death or miscarriage we weep and mourn with you and if your child is lost to addiction or to the world we hurt with you and we join you in putting our hope in the one who brings prodigals home if you live with painful memories of your mom we pray that you will find in a spiritual mother all that you never had from a birth mom And if you're one of those amazing spiritual moms, we thank you for stepping up and being there when others couldn't. If you're experiencing an empty nest for the first time this year, we walk with you in this new season and are excited about the next chapter God has planned for you. If you're single, we celebrate your strength, beauty, and individuality and join with you in praying for the desires of your heart. You're a single mom and wonder if you have the physical energy and financial resources to raise and provide for your child or children we want to help you and we will and if you're pregnant for the first time we prayerfully anticipate with you the joyful birth of a healthy child and to all the special women on this mother's day rest and delight in knowing that we are thankful for you and we celebrate each and every one of you.
0: Think about our moms. For most of us, our moms were our very first friend and our best friend. For most of us, our moms were our first hug, our first kiss, our first true love. Uh, I've said before, I think the The sweetest word in the English language is mother. And for the next several minutes, as I talk about moms, I want you to think a little bit larger than just maybe your biological mom. Um, I want you to think um, in terms of just other women who have cared about you and who have invested into you. Um, Some spiritual mothers that you might have. So I want you to think a little bit broader than just biology for the next 20 minutes or so. You know, one of the great blessings of being a child of God is in Christ, we have this incredibly expanded family. In fact, if you remember in Mark chapter 10, Jesus said, anyone who loses your mother or father, brother or sister, because of your relationship with me, you will find other mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters. In fact, Jesus says 100-fold because of your relationship with me in Christ we are part of this wonderful family and this morning I want to take us back to the Old Testament and I want to take a look at a woman who was I think known more for being a spiritual mother than she was for being a biological mother now all of us are familiar with Judge Judy You've seen Judge Judy on television, right? You might not admit it, but you've probably seen Judge Judy. She's the one who tells people, on my worst day, I'm smarter than you are on your best day. And everybody tunes in and watches her. She's been on TV for 25 years. She has the number one rated show in daytime television. She is the highest paid television personality today. She makes $47 million a year. I'm not making that up but I'm going to tell you something about Judge Judy. She's a knockoff. She's a copycat. She didn't do it first, and she certainly didn't do it best. This morning, I don't want to talk to you about Judge Judy. This morning, I want to talk to you about Judge Debbie. You're thinking, wait a minute, I don't know Judge Debbie. What channel is she on? Well, Judge Debbie's not on television. She's in a book, a best-selling book, and you probably know her better as Deborah, the judge of Israel. You say, wait a minute, I didn't know Deborah was a mother. Oh, yes, she was. In fact, at one point, she is referred to as the mother of all Israel. Her story is found in Judges chapters four and five. The the, the era of Judges is kind of a strange time in Hebrew history. God has led his people out of Egyptian slavery. They're in the Promised Land, but there's some battles to be fought in the Promised Land. And at this point in their history, they are being led by a series of judges. I'm sure you've heard of Samson and Gideon. They're two of the more famous judges. But I'm going to suggest that Deborah is maybe the most underappreciated judge. Her story, again, is found in chapters 4 and 5 of the book of Judges. We see in chapter 4, an evil king in Canaan has sort of got the upper hand uh, on the people there because he was employing the most advanced, most modern weaponry that was known to the people then, and that was the iron chariot. His name was Jabin. Here's what the text says. I'm in Judges chapter 4, and I'm going to start reading in verse 3. Because he had 900 iron chariots and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lepideth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came to her to have their disputes decided. Okay, right off the bat, we learn an awful lot of things about this woman, Deborah. She's a wife. She's a prophetess. She handles disputes. In fact, she is leading all of Israel. Now, she is an amazing woman, and this is a woman with a story. For a woman to rise to that level of leadership in the ancient Middle East, it it wasn't just unprecedented, It it was unheard of. This was an amazing woman. In in that day and time, women were thought of more as personal property than they were potential prophets. But I think Judges chapter 4 actually gives us a little bit of a glimpse of things to come, a a glimpse into the future. It gives us a kind of a a glimpse of the recovery of the equality of women. And you're going to see that Jesus, when he shows up in the world, really stresses the equality of women by his words and by his actions. And here in Judges chapter 4, God chooses a woman to lead his people. So let's watch her lead. Verse 6 of Judges 4. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. So she sends for a commander by the name of Barak. Uh, And here she's, she's speaking for the Lord. Go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead the way to Mount Tabor. I will lure Sisera, this is God speaking, I will lure Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Verse 9, Very well, Deborah said, I will go with you. But because of the way you're going about this, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will hand Sisera over to a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh, where he summoned Zebulun and Naphtali. Ten thousand men followed him, and Deborah also went with him. Now Heber the Kenite had left the other Kenites, the descendants of Hoab, Moses' brother-in-law, and pitched his tent by the great tree in Zananim near Kadesh, when they told Sisera that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera gathered together his 900 iron chariots and all the men with him from Heresheth Hagim to the Kishon River. Then verse 14, Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor, followed by 10,000 men. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword, and Sisera abandoned his chariot and fled on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Heresheth Hagium. All the troops of Sisera fell by the sword. Not a man was left. And then jump down to verse 23 of chapter 4. On that day, God subdued Jabin, the Canaanite king, before the Israelites. And the hand of the Israelites grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, the Canaanite king, until they destroyed him. That's chapter 4. Now, in chapter 5, Barak and Deborah are actually going to write a song about what just took place. It's kind of a hit duet. Uh, for these two in in Israel. And there's an interesting line that Deborah writes into the song. It's in verse 7 of chapter 5. That song takes up the whole chapter, by the way. But in verse 7, Deborah says this, Village life in Israel ceased, ceased until I, Deborah, arose, arose, a mother in Israel. If you read all of chapter five, if you read that song that Barak and Deborah sang, you would think that it would sound a lot like Alicia Keys's This Girl Is On Fire. But really, it doesn't. It really sounds a little bit more like Chris Tomlin's Holy Roar as they talk about what God has done. But I love the uh, summary phrase at the very end of the chapter Then the land had peace for 40 years. The land had peace. For 40 years. That's the result of the leadership of this mother of Israel. That's the result of Deborah helping Barak do what God called him to do. Maybe you've seen the bumper sticker that says, Women don't have hot flashes, they have power surges. <laughs> and I don't even know if that's appropriate or not. But Deborah was a power surge for Barak. And she was a power surge for Israel. And Deborah does three things that uh, I want you to think about in this story that highlighted um, that not just made a difference for Barak, but also made a difference for all the people. And maybe at least one of these things, maybe all three of these things are true for that woman of influence in your life as well. And the first thing that Deborah does for Barak is this. She came alongside him in the struggle. The story begins with Deborah speaking for God, telling Barak, Take 10,000 men and go against Sisera. Sisera, he of the 900 iron chariot uh, force. And she tells Barak, God is going to be with you, God is going to go ahead of you, God is going to deliver the army into your hands. But Barak's not so quick to join in on that confidence. Barak isn't quite sure that he's willing to do this. In fact, he's not willing to do this unless Deborah goes with him. Deborah is told by Barak, I'll only go into battle if you go with me. And Deborah's response is, okay, I will go with you. And and it's a pretty amazing response when you think about it. Now, there's a... There's a, a, a caveat involved, but, but Deborah agrees to go with Bayrack. She didn't have to do that. This is a risky decision for Bayrack, or for Deborah. She could have dismissed Bayrack. She could have found somebody else to do it. She could have stayed behind. And I know that probably all of us have been in Bayrack's shoes before. We're in a situation where we're uncertain about the outcome... We're a a, a little bit intimidated about something. We are a little bit doubtful, maybe a little bit fearful. And there has been some woman that has stood beside us. Maybe it's our biological mom. Maybe it's a spiritual mom. Maybe it's a grandmother. But just a woman who showed up and said, you know what? I'm here with you. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to come alongside you in this struggle. And I'm going to help you face whatever it is that you're dealing, to, having to face. A writer by the name of Mary Ann Bird shared a story in one of her books. Here's what she wrote. I grew up knowing I was different, and I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate, and when I started school, my classmates made it clear to me how I looked to others. A little girl with a misshapen lip crooked nose, lopsided teeth, and garbled speech. When schoolmates asked what happened to your lip, I told them I fell and cut it on a piece of glass. Somehow, it seemed more acceptable to say it was an accident instead of to say I was born that way. I had concluded that no one outside of my immediate family could ever love me. However, there was a teacher a second-grade teacher by the name of Mrs. Leonard. Mrs. Leonard was short and round and always happy. We all adored her. Annually, we had a tearing test. Mrs. Leonard would have each child come up individually, stand against the door about 10 feet from her desk, cover one of their ears with a hand, Mrs. Leonard would cover her mouth with her hand and whisper a phrase that that student would have to repeat back to her. Usually it was something simple like, the sky is blue or the dog is excited. Finally, she writes, it was my turn. Standing in front of the entire class scared me to death. Knowing that I had to speak out loud, was sure to bring snickers from the other students. I stood there and waited for those words that God had to have put into her mouth. Seven words that changed my life. Because when Mrs. Leonard whispered to me, what she said was, I wish you were my little girl. Years later, Mary Ann Byrd would write those seven words spoken by a woman who saw something in her that no one else saw Changed her life. So I'd ask you, who is it in your life that has come alongside you in a struggle? Who is the woman that you know? She's in my corner. Who is the woman who has always encouraged you? Has always wanted the very best for you and sought the very best for you, no matter what difficult season you were in the middle of? What if today you were to give her a call? send her a text, write her a note. For some of you, all you have to do is look across the table today at lunch and have the courage to say thank you. For some of us, maybe that woman of influence isn't here anymore, but we can still stop and thank God for for putting in our lives. You know, I, I think of women who have absolutely changed my life I think of my grandmother. I certainly think of my mother. I think of my wife, my children's mother. Most of you know my wife, Martha, is a very quiet, very kind, very gentle woman, incredibly tender. But I'm going to tell you, looks can be deceiving because there is absolutely no one I would rather have in a foxhole with me than my wife someone who has come along beside me through heartache through grief through uh, challenges the person who is always telling me come on you can do this we can do this we're in this together who is it who has God put in your life who is that woman who has come alongside you in a struggle Then there's something else that Deborah does for Barak. She sought his honor in the struggle. Did you notice that she tells Barak, the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. And Barak says, I won't go unless you go with me. And Deborah tells him, I'll go, but because of the way you're acting, because of the course that you are choosing, the honor is going to go to a woman, not to you. You're not going to get credit for the victory. And actually what Deborah is doing is looking out for his honor. She's concerned about his honor. Here's something I think that's really interesting. We're all familiar with Hebrews chapter 11. In the middle of the book of Hebrews, the, the writer just starts naming these lists of men and women from the Old Testament that lived these amazing lives of faith. Do you know who is in... Hebrews chapter 11, that hall of faith chapter from Judges 4. You would think it should be Deborah, right? It's not Deborah. Deborah's not in there. You know who's in there from Judges 4? Barak. Barak is listed as one of those cloud of witnesses that surround us. He's listed as the hero of faith. But I'm going to tell you, Barak would never be in Hebrews chapter 11 if Deborah hadn't been there for him in Judges chapter 4. This is a woman who is seeking the dignity of Barak. So who's the woman who seeks your dignity? Who is the woman in your life who seeks your honor? Who, who comes beside you in the struggle and wants the very best for you? Now maybe they're challenging you to do something really big, like Deborah was challenging Barak. Maybe they're just challenging you to to hang in there. Don't give up. And again, for a lot of us, it's our biological mother. It's a grandmother. But I'm going to suggest that I think for probably all of us, there is some other spiritual woman in our backstory. Some other spiritual woman who came along maybe just for a season. Maybe for our entire lives. But someone who has sought our dignity and sought our honor. And listen, whether you're young or old, whether whether you have children of your own or you're an empty nest or whatever, you need to thank God for those kind of women that have been in your life. And you need to thank those women, if you can, for being someone who sought the very best for you and in you. Someone who was concerned about your dignity. Someone needs to hear you say that. Which brings me to my third observation concerning Deborah, the mother of Israel. And that is, she consistently turned Barak's attention to God. Over and over again, Deborah keeps telling Barak, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord is with you. The Lord goes ahead of you. The Lord is going to provide this victory. You know, you hear people talk today about women who are a head turner. And when people say, oh, she's a head-turner, what they usually mean today is, well, she's very nice-looking, she's attractive, she's glamorous, but I don't think that's the best kind of head-turner for a woman to be. I think the best kind of head-turner for a woman to be is the kind of woman who can turn our heads back to the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Someone who keeps reminding us of God. Who's that been in your life? Who is that woman who just keeps maybe very gently, sometimes not so gently, redirecting your attention back to God? Even when we don't want to hear it. Even when we're pushing back. Who is that woman who just lovingly and gently reminds you the Lord? The Lord. Focus on God. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 30. Charm is deceptive. And beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she's done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. Who is that woman in your life? Who has come alongside you in the struggle? Who has sought your honor and your dignity? Who keeps gently turning you back to the Lord? The Lord. You know, almost every week I've been giving you a challenge. I've got a challenge for you this week. And some of you will be very glad to know it doesn't involve any pictures. And it doesn't involve social media. At least I don't think it does. But it might be the best challenge I've given you since we've started this live stream uh, services. And my challenge is this. Today, or in the next day or two, My challenge is you think about who those spiritual mothers were in your life. If it's your biological mother, thank God for that. An adoptive mother, maybe a a grandmother, but maybe it's just a woman who has served you and, and invested into you in a spiritual way. And my challenge is you thank them. You let them know that they made a difference in your life. And again, for some of us, we can't do that with with our biological mothers this year. But we can stop and thank God that they were in our lives. And we can consider how we can pour our life into someone else the way that spiritual mother poured her life into us. So that's my challenge this week. Let your mother... Let your spiritual mother, let all those spiritual women of influence in your life know that you have influenced my life. You made a difference in my life. God uses women in such unique and powerful ways. And one of those ways is the way women nurture and direct and guide and lead us to the Lord. So that's my challenge for you this week. Let's close with a prayer. Father, we thank you for the women of influence in our lives. Uh, Many of us thank you for the biological moms that have played such an important role in our lives, as well as all of our spiritual moms. And Father, we all thank you for those uh, those spiritual women who, who showed up in our lives so often just when we needed them the most. Help us to pass on what we've received from them to someone else. May they be rewarded for all that they have done. And may their deeds publicly declare their praise. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our singers have one more song that they're going to share. And then after the song, uh, please stay online just a little bit longer. Jimmy is going to come and share some announcements and some updates with us. All right, Tim.